Hi, and welcome back to the Sages of Sigmar podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Tristan. And I'm Martin. We're here this week basically to, like every week, bring you news and a couple discussions about things in the Age of Sigmar hobby and other things that we enjoy uh, that are at least tangentially related. Um, On the subject of tangent. I'm not even going to say that word. I he up. can't speak well. Tangentially, I can't either. Tangentially related. That word related. Uh, we actually got to episode two, and this is actually happening. <laughs> yeah, there was happening. A, it'll be fun. There was a voice in the back of my head saying, "Okay, we're going to get like an episode in, and then something's going to happen, and it's not going to continue." But here we are. The question is, are you there? We hope so. Please, um, please. So anyway. Uh, in Age of Sigmar, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has been happening lately. Um, we've got a lot of prep happening for version 3.0 that's going to drop in about two weeks from a, uh, the day of recording now. Uh, and we just got our full core rules release today. So we've spent some time after all of us got off of work reading it and you know God, going work. going through things off um, work and we were reading that the chat exploded 60 messages at a time at 10 o'clock this morning sir okay so i did some during my lunch break and you some were, other times <laughs> you were late <laughs> uh but anyway uh so yeah we've we've taken some time delved deeply into the uh all the different cool rules and um, there are there were some really nice announcements before everything really got dropped. One of my personal favorites is Unleash Hell, the new command ability for basically for anybody who might be familiar with 40k, what used to be called Overwatch. And the uh, Lumineth Realm Lords, Daughters of Cain, and several other armies will literally be unleashing Hell because. Essentially, once you get charged, you can spend a command point to have a unit that is within nine inches of the charged unit, or, or well, and just go ahead and pew, fire <laughs> off a bunch of shots. And if it's say the Lumineth Realm Lords, then uh, every single one. Oh, it's it's at a minus one to hit. But again, um, fish for sixes, baby. Fish for those sixes or, for the Lumineth Realm Lords or fives, and. The, you'll do a bunch of moral wounds to whatever got charged if you're against those armies. Don't don't charge those armies. It, how about, it's, it's dumb. How about Bone Reaper Catapults in the second rank? Have a 7-inch gap between the front edge of the unit and the edge of the base. They're outside of the 6-inch minimum range, and now you're eating catapult shells to the face. Oh, you ah. charged me with a 5-wound character? Cool. Pick them up. Special ammunition. That very much so might happen. <laughs> um... But yeah, so so that was a really really fun one. Uh, rally seems very oh, good, yeah. especially for your army, Mister Dwarf. Yeah, uh, Rally's definitely up there. Um, any unit that is essentially multi model that also is multi wound is uh, very big value. Anything that dies, hardly ever. Um, mostly anything that has a feel no pain. Hint hint. Hardcore berserkers. Um, 
anything that has uh, multiple wounds uh, given now with the new Annihilators with a two-up save, and if you actually manage to kill them after their three wounds, there's a chance you can just bring one back on a six. Because why yep. not? Because you have to pain. You have to be out of combat range, so outside of three inches of any enemy units. And then I believe it's hero phase when you use it. Uh, um, yep. Yes. It's, it's during your hero phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you for every slain model, not any models that ran away due to coherency issues or due to um, any Battleshock failures, yep. then you roll a die for each one of those. And for every six that you roll, you can return a slain model to that unit. Well, they're slain, but we're, sl- we're assuming that they were knocked out in combat. They it's, were just being dragged by the, their buddies. It's, it's, well, again, <laughs> we got the new core rules dropped. There are actually differences now between a slain model mm-hmm. and models that were removed from the battlefield for other reasons. They actually... This is one of the best things that I am noticing in these new rules for 3.0. There were so many times where it was just generic ballpark abilities that existed in various army books that are basically the same... But not now. They're giving all of those terms. Yes, fleeing is when you run away from battle shock yep. or run away from coherency. Slain is, well, you just took Died a sword through the sword or... to the face. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And other things like the shrugs, the feel no pains, the insert title here from all the different books are ward saves. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, also. Uh, what's the minimum size uh, for a Phoenix Guard unit? Ten. So, and they're considered battle line in certain situations for Cities of Sigmar. Have an anointed as your general. Yep. So, getting them rallied back is a pain. On top of an empowered Emerald Life Swarm that is going off twice per turn at that point. I guess we'll find out how endless spells will be uh, adjusted now with the new changes. Points cost for the endless spells, I think, are going to be the biggest thing. I don't think they're going to necessarily change what they do. The Malevolent Maelstrom needs help. But... Well, COGS did get changed. COGS got tamed. Because COGS used to be board-wide, both armies. Everybody gets plus two move, plus two charge. That is now a good it's point. wholly within 18, plus one charge. They, they might do a little bit of taming on how much it can do for healing now. Yep. Um, Empowered might be a flat three now instead of a D6. Right, and then the other thing that they might change on this is, uh, you know, you could keep the rules the same, but just, like, double the points cost. Well, you're using it twice. There are are other ways to balance more than just, yeah. So, But um, on the subject of endless spells real quick, I just want to throw this out. One of the endless spells for OBR... The Nightmare Predator, the best model out of the three. The big, giant, like, ghostly monster. Mm-hmm. Not or the bird, the, not, the monster. Not monster. Yeah. It was good. It was a decent, like, oh, crud, I'm going to have to deal with that. But now it's activating in both turns. You're not outrunning it. Oh, yeah, it's going to catch yeah. you. It will catch you. The issue that it had, the reason that it was never put on the tabletop, besides awkward point levels for the army has been resolved it will get to its target now mm-hmm. and it's yep. uh soul bound so even if it does leave your range it will not go wild who cares right yep our channel uh, inner minnesota for a minute there <laughs> all good um another nice new thing uh so yes the core cool rules 
loving how everything is actually notated as far as, hey, there are rule numbers now. There's annotations to to help explain different uh, questions that we might have about it. Uh, but also in the news, uh, it was confirmed that the Cruel Boys are fully interacting into and integrating into the Auric War Clans. Mm-hmm. Um, they might still get their own book or supplementary book, mm-hmm. um, but we know for a fact that they will get a full release that will interact properly with allowing you to ally in with the other armies for Oryx and also uh, can take part in a big walk. Uh, stuff I'm seeing for them in a walk. Ooh. Yeah, they. Um, it's gonna hurt. They, as from the information that we have uh, found, um, majority of them uh, have the uh, like the army itself actually has an allegiance of uh, Sixes Deal Mortal Wounds, and they keep that ability when they're in Big Wah. They do. Yep. They they confirmed in that that even when you take them in the Big Wah. Every single attack that has a hit roll of six will deal that weapon's damage characteristic as mortal mortal wounds. As the poison damage. That does bring up an interesting thought to me. Because there are several books that exist in the vein. I'm going to use Skaven as an example. There Mm -hmm. are six sub-factions in that book. You want to know how Skaven get them? For those of you who don't know, have a character with that keyword. That's it. And you have those allegiance abilities for the specific sub-faction. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to work elements of that in to the other amalgamation books. Maybe not to that extent. Maybe. Or, or might be a little... Because Orc War Clans now have three different versions of Orcs in the book. And Gloom then the Big Spite, Wall. And then the Big Wall. So technically four. The Big Wall is the overarching. It's all of them. Right. Yep. It's it's not Gloomspite. It's uh, Iron well, Jaws. No, I was going to say Gloomspite oh, are yeah. another example of a book that's an amalgamation. Yeah, it has Spider Fang, Spider Fang, Night Goblins, Moon Clan Grots. Moon Clan. Well, no, Moon, Moon Clan, Clan are the Moon Clan. Clan. Okay, yeah, Moon, 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 are the Night yeah. Goblins. Well, Moon Clan Squigs is the new name. And right. Trogs. Trogs. Yep. Squigs are a full part of the Moon Clan. Moon Clan. Yep. So it's technically. Just but, you but can, they don't interact as much. But you can yeah. make them an exclusively Squigs army. Yes. You can. Squigs and Squig Riders. It's painful. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Dodgeballs. Uh, so, uh, for our machinations that we've made this week, yes. uh, what has been y'all's progress in hobbying for the week? So, I want to kind of go in reverse order of my notes. First thing I've got is... I finally got my FDM printer fully up and running. I mentioned that a little bit last time, mm-hmm. in the last episode, but uh, I actually got all the problems figured out. No spaghetti monsters. Yet. Well, yeah. That... <laughs> Yet. <laughs> but I have printed so many movement trays. So many movement trays for myself and a friend of mine that plays Lumineth. I think I have printed about 180 models worth of movement trays and did it in like four days. Yeah, sounds about right. Good stuff. And then my Xantos, which something different that we're doing this time is we're gonna start when we bring up models, try to get pictures of them or footage of them to put insert here. I got a lot more done on Xantos. I actually tried wet blending a little bit on his armor. Okay. 
moderately successful. Definitely a lot of room for growth, but for a first real attempt at wet blending on surfaces that narrow, I'll take it. And my final thing is uh, I went to what was probably the last or one of the last 2.0 tournaments in the state of Georgia up at Gigabytes Cafe as part of their Giga series. Uh, it was fairly small. There were only 12 players, but it was the first event with since they lifted their mask mandate. Oh, so nice. I feel like there were probably a lot of people that were a little gun shy, like, let's see how this goes. Right. Let's see what happens. Cause how many get sick? Who all get sick, and hopefully it's just going to grow and get bigger from there. Um, there were also, like, I personally had uh, plans that I couldn't cancel and stuff, so I couldn't make it up to that. Like, I'm sure we're in summer. Like, it's summer it's summer. kind of harder to, to make, make it if you didn't plan way in advance for some of those tournaments. Yep, for sure. But... How, who, our, what all did you face up there? My, what all armies did my you first see? match was against McKenzie's Lumineth. This is the third tournament in a row where we are the first round for each other. I don't know how it happens. I really don't. But this time... It's right. Um, <laughs> it's rolled four. Again. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> I, he was running his moo cows, the mountains. I faced that list on Thursday. It hurt. I, the, on, the only reason I was really able to win that game was I got a double turn and was able to block him out of the points. Okay. That is out of the zones. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that saved me. It was turn four before he was able to get model, actual models in the zone. I was at 28 points. He was at eight. Yeah, I believe it. That's literally how I won. Because <laughs> that list is I body blocked bodies. them. Yeah. yeah. So well, hard. And also I was able to turn off their like shoulder check ability to push you back because he would have just pushed me further into the zone. Right. <laughs> so yeah. now, when the big moves walked up with hammer time, I was picking up half a unit at a time. Catacross went from full health to paste when Al fought at top bracket, or Valinor fought at top bracket and went bonk bonk. Yeah. <laughs> they hurt. It is a fluffy list that hurts, and I do think will continue to hurt in the new edition. Uh, then I fought Beast Claw Raiders and got triple Stonehorned. We all know how that goes. I picked up a unit of Mortec Guard in one turn on turn one. Yeah, sounds like it. And then my final game was, oh gosh, what was it against? Uh, Eric's uh, Soul Black Gravelords, his zombie list. Okay, how'd that go? It was very close. We ran out of time because we're both running very clunky armies. Clunky as in there's a lot of moving parts to it. It's one of those things where, at the time of call, having to call it, he won. But I do think I was in a position to kind of sweep around with my full health unit of Mortec. And he would pick up most of his characters, and I would be able to take it back. But it was Star Strike, so there was a little bit of weirdness there. Yeah. And he also got a lucky zombie revive. Ooh, yeah, nice. Yeah. That plopped him on the objective that I counted on him not doing that. And I had for- forgotten he hadn't gotten it all game. He got it that time. Yep. Dang. That's when well, you need him. Uh, a, a bit of a rough tournament in that regard, but eh, uh, it happens. sounds like it was fun, though. Oh, it was a blast. Every game was a blast. Um, All right. Um, on my end of the spectrum, uh, I've, for the most part, been just working on repainting my army. Um, I just didn't like the the way I've 
painted them over the years um, and I have a little bit more mileage under my belt so um, this is the current status um, apparently we'll have a cricket in the building the cricket we, does not like us right now we have a, <laughs> so, a nice cricket it's not quite as uh, as calming and everything as cicadas in the summer but right. you know anyway, it's all not good. sure I'll if, take a cricket over a cicada anything. not sure if y'all are picking it up on the mic or anything but if the camera's picking it up and this isn't guess what's going in right here and back to you, Joe. <laughs> well, Martin, actually. Oh, yeah. Martin. Um, Sorry. But, yeah. Um, outside of that, like, I have not been really hobbying much. Um, <laughs> so, for the most part, I'm just uh, just repainting everything. Hey, that's cool. Slow and steady progress is nice. Um, so, for me, uh, what have I painted? Just not a damn thing. Uh, but really... Um, I've done some prep for a couple of different tournaments. Like I said, I played against McKenzie's List because there is at least one more 2.0 tournament that we're going to be playing um, up at Giga called GigaCon with a team tournament where I'm going to have you as one of my teammates and then another gentleman playing uh, probably, one of his two armies. Probably Jaws at this point, Jaws and Mork or yeah. the Squigs, but... It, the reason it's 2.0, even though it's technically it is at the line for two weeks since the right. new edition release, so and it's that there's just so much to learn and so much to change uh, for lists so quickly after the release that it's just it's not worth doing that yet. Yep. Yeah. And um, that was voted in, right? It was like that was the, voted by several of the team captains that are in that chat. Gotcha. Um, uh, so I did some tournament prep. I played a solid chunk of Vermintide 2. Uh, just, like, it's been out for a while, but I've, you know, just started it, learning it. I I understand now exactly why Marauders die so damn easily in the game. <laughs> um, yep. I mean... And Skaven, too. Yeah, it's just... Everything I, I guess I did forget that we played Vermintide 2. Yeah, but then again, you played, I played some that, with me. I did play that game way too much back in the day, so just call plans in. It, it blends in. Yeah, it's me going into it for the first time, which is why it's I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yes. I'm enjoying it a, a good amount. I have killed way too many Skaven in that game. Yeah. Yeah. And then, we all have. And then my other uh, tournament prep, or not tournament prep, but uh, hobbying, has basically been, as rules came out, explaining those rules. Yes, this is the best explained and nicest edition, but explaining those rules and how they interact with the rest of the rules to people when they have questions. It's basically just been yeah. trying to do my part as helping out with interpretations of the rules and being a good TO. Yep. Um, I'm right there with you on that because there was a point where actually me and you, Martin, kind of went back and forth a little bit because we didn't yep. quite fully understand the context of what the other was saying. Yep. But the issue is it's still a Games Workshop game and Finally, though, if you take it pretty much at literally, this is the ink on the page. Yep. 99% of those rules make sense, like the new command points. One unit can issue a command point. It, each, each unit can only issue one command per phase and receive one per phase. Correct. The issue in context was, well, if a character has an aura up from a command point, can a unit in that aura still use a command point? Strictly speaking, yes, because that aura is a command ability on that character. But 
that's just an example. There's going to be a lot more, and we'll talk about that more as we go on. Mm-hmm. But I think it's about time to move on to a little bit more points or scroll, and we've got some interesting ones on this one. See you in a second. And welcome back. And we were about to get started with the points or scroll. So we've yes. brought a couple of different models to this segment that are models or units that aren't really selected or might be selected too often inside of an army, mm-hmm. uh, making them almost too much of a, of a good thing, and kind of trying to decide, if you look at it, how would you prefer to fix it? Do you think it's just a points fix, simple, or do you think that there are actually endemic war scroll thing uh, problems that need to be fixed on this unit? Mm-hmm. So... For the first one, we're going to start with, and we're going to kind of start small and get bigger, probably, as this goes. We're going to start with the Venari Blade Lords from the Lumineth Realm Lords. And I promise I did not plan this ahead of time. I just happened to have my book with me. I put these on on the thing myself because of a couple discussions I've had, and then also just, they look cool, and yet they are just not... Very good on the battlefield. Oh, the models are gorgeous. They are the best models in the range, in my opinion. Them and the fox. The foxes are great. So, the Venari Blade Lords, on paper, they're not terrible. Core stats, six inch move, two wounds each. It's nice. Four up save. Um, they have a Guardian's ability, which basically means they jump in the way of yep. damage coming at Sonari or the basic spellcasters and their banners I'm not even going to try to pronounce the first word of that Vanashamore I think That's yeah you yeah. got it hey got it. It's better than I did earlier today um, it, with the new addition that ability is going to kind of come into its own with all the endless spells and stuff on a 4 up they just ignore the effect that sounds familiar yeah that's it's the elvish version of what you do with your uh, Null City and Icon. Yeah, just However, keep, keep stealing my shit, man. It's fine. Yeah, elves do it better. Elves had it with the uh, with Volturnos as well, except yeah. his is on a three up. But here's the issue with them. Issue number one is their weapons. The Sun Metal Great Blade, first off, does not have the Sun Metal special rule that every other Sun Metal weapon in this book has, i.e. the sixes are mortal wounds. On purpose. On purpose. However... They can either do the perfect strike, which auto-hits with one attack, wound on a two, minus two rand, one damage. Or, mm-hmm. they could do a flurry of blows, where their attack profile is equal to the number of enemy models within two inches, uh, hit on a three, wound on a three, no rend, one damage. Mm. Here's the issue with the Blade Lords. Currently, and yes, I know anything we say points-wise right now, is subject to change and will change in about three, four weeks. Probably. They are 120 points for five models. Yeah. That, for the amount... Their abilities are cool. For the amount of damage they do, though, there's so much better you could invest your points in. Just a unit of ten spears is better than, currently, a unit of five blade lords. And... 
not even by a small margin, by no. a very, very large margin. Very large. Um, Everybody was hoping that the Blade Lords would finally be a hammer to the army's anvil, because that this book, Luminous Realm Lords book, is a giant anvil. Not like the wind stuff. It's fast. It's quick. It's harassing. And could you give me a real fast? This is slightly off topic, but not really. Could you explain to those in the audience that don't know what oh, an anvil is? Hammer versus anvil? Hammer versus anvil. Okay. Go ahead and give a quick explanation. So when I say that, a hammer is pretty much exactly what it is. It is a unit, in or in this context, a unit or model or character or whatever that can walk in and kill just about anything or be more efficient at killing than most other stuff in the army, just by nature of how they work. The anvil is the opposite. It will stand there, take a hit, and just kind of sh shrug it off and go, okay, cool. So anyway, what you were looking for out of the Blade Lords was a hammer, and you got not even as great of an anvil. I got a pool noodle. And it's just not a hammer at all. It's a squeaky, it, squeaky it, toy. It, it's a pool noodle. It's like, it's annoying. Against hordes, like against the zombies, oh, that flurry of blows all of a sudden becomes really good because they don't have a save. I still think, though, however, like hmm. personally, I, I'll go ahead and say my part on, okay. uh, I would just change the war scroll. I think I'm fine with no sun metal on this weapon that is intended the yes it's named the sun metal great blade but it's intended by the developers not to have the mm. do the moral wound on six um but i would probably add one rend onto the flurry of blows and i would up the damage of that perfect strike by about two to three one or two it's you took the words right out of my mouth. If they're going to stay at 120 points, in the current context of what 120 points means in the game, that is the fix in my mind, and McKenzie's mind, and a couple other Lumineth players' minds, of what need, would need to be done with them. Everything else is solid. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I'm going to say it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, and the reason why I say it's fine is because all of you guys are trying to do is put this unit into a role that's probably not intended for. I Because your hammer in this army, as far as I'm seeing, is the Wardens. As much as everyone wants the Wardens to be the, because of the shields and because of the spears, that wants them to be the wall of pain... Uh, really, your wardens is your hammer in this game. I'd call mm -hmm. the sentinels. The sentinels fill the role of hammer a little bit more, in my opinion. The wardens are a very spiky, painful anvil that sometimes gets thrown at people. I don't deny that. Mm -hmm. However, for the most part, the way you don't want to charge them in until you have to. Correct. And that is typically at the very end of the game. Or you're a situation that happened at the tournament I was in where... All of a sudden, there are 60 Blight Kings on all three of the objectives, and they went first. Correct. So, you tell me... I would say that the hammer is the hammers. Um, sure. Specifically, the big cows. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's the hammer, and people just haven't been using it. But the reason why I say these guys is they are supposed to be kind of elite, and they're supposed to be able to kill with their... their 
all of their lore, all the stuff dealing with it, and the fact that they have literal great swords that they're using against you, they should do more than one damage. Or let, let's let's go down the, the laundry list of things you can do with this unit. A on a two up, not a four up, not a three up, on a two up, which means that five out of six, whatever whatever that scenario is being hit with, they take it for them. That effectively increases your scenario's wound characteristic to essentially plus ten. Then you have a four up ignore a spell. I'm sorry. Okay. That's, you ignore a endless spell. Or a spell. And on top of that, you have a modular attack based on whether or not you're fighting a horde or something that has to die. The, right. The issue so, with the has to die is against anything bigger than get, a five wound character. You get five damage. That's it. You get That's five damage. Right. And but, you confirm it. But they're bodyguards. They're not, if, if that unit is in combat with anything that's that big, that means that your wardens didn't do their job. That is fair. However, at that point, because of the costs of everything else in this book, they are pointed too high by about 20 points. Also, let me go or ahead and throw... are they? I, I know you're like anathema to 40k and everything, but that's literally just shield drones. You just described shield drones. And first off, for nobody likes those. <laughs> and then second off... Um, for context, for those of you who don't know, shield drones are basically flying robotic frisbees with energy shields around them that jump in the way of incoming fire for the alien race known as the Tau in 40k. Sorry, yeah, a little bit anyway, of context. Right. They still have the same. For on a two-up... I play those, by the way. Um, and I'm illiterate when it comes to yeah, 40k. Yeah. But on a two-up, they will jump in front of your stuff and take the wounds for you. I understand where you're coming from, but I'm just saying that that is not the purpose of this unit. I understand the that that's an ability on it, and it is a very useful ability when you're trying to protect those things. But for their cost, they are either overcosted if that's their intended role. They are perfectly or, costed. And the reason why... I will, I will send you in the perfectly costed unit of Auric Hearthguard, my shooting unit that has a lookout, sir, for a four-up. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. They don't ignore a spell, and they don't have a modified weapon attack. All they have is a shooting attack, and then... In addition to that, they have a atrocious melee attack. And that's it. You have an impassioned plea that you're saying. But the way that you're currently saying these guys to be used, they are never effective. Because they're just sitting back there as wound sponges to an eh kind of wizard. Sure, it can be sometimes a linchpin of your army. But if all you're doing is protecting a wizard then you probably should have just paid for a second one of those wizards. Ding, ding, ding. Or, 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 or take your wizard the other to thing. the battle instead of keeping them on the other edge of the battle 
have them do heroic things. I'm not I'm not saying that you aren't that they aren't playing them wrong. I'm just trying to tell you that it. there is a need for more damage on this unit. I, I and now I also with all of with the changes that I actually said, the add the rend and add the damage, I think that they should go up in cost. I think with the upgrades comes additional costs. Put them on. Put them at the same points cost as a ten man unit of wardens. That's 130, 140 points at that point. I would Four go higher. Teams. Maybe one fifty. I would go higher. I would go to at least one fifty, possibly even up to one eighty. Um, I think you can definitely still find very useful things, especially if, again, you're choosing between five strikes that auto hit and wound on a two up to do Ren minus two, three damage each for a grand total of 15 possible wounds on a Ren minus two, or potentially take them into a horde and then have just the standard, the thing that every everything in the dang game is balanced around, which is Ren minus one against saves. Um, like, that's just standard. Um, so, what you're saying is... And also, is... how much damage and how many attacks do your Hearthguard that you... The Hearthguard about, Berserkers? The, not, not the Hearthguard Berserkers. Or the Oric Hearthguard. Hearthguard. The ones that you brought up as the comparison. How much damage, how many shots can they put out per model... And what is their range? Two. Two shots. 18-inch range. 18-inch range. Four up, three up. Four up, three up. Got it. And what's the damage? One? One. And then against monsters? Two. Cool. That's the only modification. Which, given... In it's the a new, modification. In the, in the new edition, it will help. Yes. But it is not what that role is for no, no, no. that I, blade I'm not. I'm not disagreeing entirely. I'm just saying that... I would wholeheartedly and easily just drop off Guardians. Like, if, if I could have this unit go up and just fight with swords the way that old Great Swords units actually used to, um, I would I would drop Guardians off heartbeat. So, uh, I finish up the thought, but we are getting kind of caught up on this, yeah. and we do have a lot more we need to talk about. Yes. Sure. I will say, if they didn't have the Horde-killing ability... Whatsoever, but you increase the damage and rend on their great swords, that would make the unit perfectly fine for the role that you want. But what you're suggesting is the increased damage on that specific great sword ability makes them an assassination unit outright through and through because those hit automatically hit. Yeah, it's called a perfected and it, strike, and it takes and it's a two up or a three up. Two up to wound. Two up to wound at a minus one. Minus and, two. Or minus two. Oh, minus two. I'm sorry. Minus, minus two. two at three damage? Three damage. How many I things? Said you, can, you can drop it down to two. That's all right, too. Even at, That's t- still, even at yeah. two. Ten wounds. There's still ten wounds at almost a single guaranteed. target. And it's, it's rim minus two, so it's probably going to get through most of that damage. Now, again, sorry. We are just getting caught up. One final thought. Another thing that could be done. Do what was teased in the warband for Underworlds. Three attacks, two up, two up, minus one, Sun Metal. Sure, that's fine too. But that's just a thought. That could work. So the next thing we've got after that complete tangent that just kind of got way out of hand way faster than I expected, (laughs) we've got another controversial unit, the Terrorgeist, for 
a very different reason. Who boy. So terror guys, uh, basically, basic rundown. Their bite is problematic. Um, they have three of them. The bite never degrades, and it's the most damaging attack on the unit. Um, they have plenty of other things going on with them. They have two variations, one for Flesh Eater Quartz, one for Night Haunt. Um, and Soul Blight? I'm sorry, yeah, night, Soul, Blight, Soul Blight, not Night Haunt. Functionally on the War Scroll, there's no difference. The difference is the support they get from... The army. The army. And right now, the Flesh Eater Quartz version of this... It's just better all around. Is way better for the exact same points cost right now. Uh, higher for uh, Soul Blight. It's currently, at least for the... Oh, yeah, Soul Blight are pointed for the new edition. Yeah, they're, they're 305 versus yep. the 300 for the Royal Terrorgeist. Um, but basically, what it amounts to is that... Uh, I don't know. I don't know that you could ever have a balance, a true balance, on... A model that, for every six you roll on one of their attacks, that never degrades. Not even, not in quantity, not in ability. Um, that for every six up to hit you roll, you get to do six mortal wounds. I, I just, you can add a hundred points to it, and it'll still be very powerful. The issue exists that it is a static six, no matter what. It is the Terrorgeist is one of those units. That in Soul Blight, at least, is one of the most swingy units in the book. Oh, yeah. If you don't roll those sixes, it's eh. It's a monster, but it's an eh monster. It's good. It's not great. It's great. It's solid. The difference, like the core, honestly, for three hundred five, from rumors we're hearing about what points are going to go up for the new edition. The Soul Blight, okay. the Soul Blight Grave Lords version of the Terrorgeist is okay. The issue with the Flesh Eater Quartz version comes in historically. Historically, it was with uh, Gristle Gore. Mm -hmm. A little bit less of an issue now that in the new edition, if you have multiple abilities to trigger on the same die roll, you pick which one applies. And the others are ignored. And the others are ignored. So it's less of an issue mm -hmm. where you would get those six mortal wounds and then have another attack generate that would keep going. And also, because I don't think any of us have ever said it, or ever said it outright, the six mortal wounds happen on an unmodified six to hit. Yes, That's correct. Just no one of us. I don't think any of us had ever said it. So for those of you who didn't know, there's how it triggers. I think I did, but yeah. Or yes, um, I, yeah, something. but the the reason why Flesh Eater Quartz is in a better position for that is they can add up to four different attacks, four additional attacks to that three on the attacks characteristic and also four additional attacks for say the guy riding on top and also the claws that that it has that do degrade and also you're just fishing for sixes so having potentially seven attacks versus having three attacks oh and also there's just... a lot of ways to get re-rolled hit rolls in flesh eater courts oh yes that's the other big thing you can f you and it's not failed hit rolls either it's just re-roll hit rolls so you can fish for those sixes, or I believe it is. Yeah, it is and a mount trait. It's a mount trait. Okay, yeah, so one of them will. But still, that one is going to murder a lot. And also, there's one distinct thing that hasn't really been discussed yet 
and it's going to become a bit problematic with the amount of command points that are coming out in the in the new edition. Feeding Frenzy. Yep. For those of you who don't know what Feeding Frenzy is, it's a command ability. Pick a unit within range. That unit gets to fight again. Which can basically be your ghoul king on Terrorgeist that is already the one using the command ability. Uh, granted, you can only use it once now instead of the multiple times you could in Unless previous editions. you have multiple characters close enough to go other Terrorgeist, you swing to. I believe you're only allowed to use the same command ability once per phase. That um, might be a I match believe play that's thing. That's in the new com- yep. the new rules. Is that it, that is each command ability is used only once per phase, which also means like things. There, there's been some talk about the amount of command abilities you have. You know, you can stop battle shocks and stuff like that all across the board. Well, no, it'll still matter. You you get that command ability once per phase, and a unit can also only issue one command ability per phase and only be affected by a command ability once per phase. Um, so that's less of an issue, but it's still, hey, here's seven more of these attacks that are going to just wipe your entire unit. Uh, which is why my personal view, again, I don't think that changing the points are going to really change things i feel like half the damage double the attacks just make it so that instead of three base and doing d6 each it changes to six attacks maybe you can even go up to seven because you're having to add more two hit rolls into there and then change the mortal wounds to three each and then have them do d3 damage each so you you normalize it a little bit. You actually up the damage outright a little more on the most problematic attack, and then it gets balanced even if you add additional attacks with either army. Yep. Because there are a couple of things that do add additional attacks even in the Soul Blight Gravelords. Mm-hmm. And I did double-check. The, the what confused me was the sentence of each unit can only issue one and receive one once per phase, and then there was another sentence that had the each one is once per phase ability, and that did have me think that all of a sudden my triple Mortec guard unit is going to become two and a unit of Cav. Yeah, this is complete a, squirrel moment on that. This is irrelevant. a very new edition, um, very new oh, rules yeah. that we're having to learn. Yeah, there's a lot of missed, uh, missed or misread things that we. Even after reading it, like yep. for the third, fifth time today, yep. uh, are still finding. still finding like, oh, I missed this part of this thing. And Any more like, thoughts? Any other suggestions for changes to the, the issue of the Terrorgeist is there's not really a good way to fix it without either making it unusable or without making it unusable with points. The, if you're going to fix it with points, you're going to point it into the ground. The best way to fix it, in my opinion, have the bite degrade like the Death Shriek does. Six five four three two. Yeah, um, that could work. Um, I still think like just something similar to what Joseph suggested with a D, th- make it a D three, make it three mortals, give it a little bit more attacks to just kind of balance out the overall damage output. Because in the end, you don't want to you don't want to neuter it to the point where it won't ever see the table again. And we're back. Okay, uh, so uh, like I was saying, uh, if we added a damage table to it, it would just make it overly crowded. 
So making the Fang Maw a little bit more attacks and just half the damage on it and make it, or if anything, just make it a flat damage of three. Honestly, instead of making it a V3, just make it a three. And just instead of giving it like six attacks, just give it uh, four, maybe even five attacks and just make it three damage. That's and, solid. Because that'll, that'll just equalize the monster. Because the biggest problem with most monsters is doing random damage attacks. and Or random or, or attacks that are random in account as well. Which Gargants are an issue of that. And we can talk on the, their old War Scrolls as well as the new ones. Yeah. On a later date. But yeah, I think just making it flat damage and just making it instead of D6, just a 3 Solid choice. Because everyone that does any mortal wounds on a hit and it stops, it's equal to the damage dealt. So Honestly, part of why I came up with that idea is I noticed how nice the change was for the Akelian Leviathan, who had just had one bite that used to do six damage mortals on on the hit, and then they changed it to two bites, three damage each. You know, and I was just like, oh. That's such an elegant fix. Oh, yeah, the the mm -hmm. jaws. Yep. Yep. Just make it flat damage. Makes it so much cleaner. Oh yeah. And then uh, for one of the bigger uh, war scrolls that we have here, um, there are two of them actually. It's a two-parter. Hint, hint. Marathi Kane and the Shadow Queen. Ow. So uh, she's kind of problematic in a couple of ways. Um, can't kill her very easily um and also she's just got so much damage especially if she ever gets buffed up which mo if you're gonna build a list with her in it she's going to do one of two things she is going to be the ultimate distraction effects of cool you could choose to ignore me but i'm going to make you pick up half your army yeah or more or, or more depending on what she's fighting and how the dice go. Or everything else is there to sit on the objectives while the Shadow Queen runs around and does Shadow Queen stuff when she is mind-razored, uh, she gets mirror-danced across the board, uh, a couple other things get slapped on her, I don't remember all the names. And she turns into not just a blender, not a guided missile, a nuke. She'll blow up half your board in a turn instead of just that. And she can yeah. also just fight in the hero phase and then go charge something else and fight something else. Yep. Uh, but, so yeah, that's... Uh, How did you fix it? Here's the, here's the thing. And this is going to be... <laughs> How do you fix... Here's the thing. How do you fix a god without making them not feel like a god? With the, and again, this is me looking at the changes and the trends that are coming out leading into the release of 3.0. Mm -hmm. So far, all of the gods, the true gods, and we'll talk about this more in a minute, are hitting that 760-point mark. That's, a, that's an elegant mark because of a couple of reasons. Um, but yes, I would... And we'll talk about that more a little bit later and give context to that. I would hike her points up. Um, and, and I'll, I'll, oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> We're too polite. Yeah, 
I, I would hike her points up, and I would possibly, um, I would like to reward her for that points hike with a couple more wounds, but possibly the ability to take more damage per turn. Because she's still got a solid save, still got a couple of things going on. She has a four-up save. So it's not a three up or anything, but I, I mean, mean, you can make it a three up. You can make it a three up with, you know, all out defense. Um, but if you changed it so that instead of twelve wounds, three a turn, you know, like four, sixteen wounds, four, four, yeah, turn, or something. Sixteen like wounds, maybe even just or, do it. Uh, I, I would say fifteen wounds, 15, four a turn, four turn, because then it changes how her brackets happen. Based on when she takes damage and things of that nature, I'm maker oh. of fourteen. Four, fourteen because yeah. because 14 if you three. if yeah. you make it fourteen no fourteen and four because it keeps it where if you don't do max damage where if you every don't turn, do max damage every turn she still survives and she'll still if you do max damage every turn which uh, it's feasible um, you're gonna end up. Uh, essentially kill her in the same time. Roughly the same Roughly time the period. same time period yeah. that you would. And like, one of the reasons... What I was going to say was, honestly, with those points hikes, and maybe a tweak to her wounds, I'm okay with the damage she does. Right. Because I'm sorry, if... For those... The people out there that read the lore from the Marathi Broken Realms book, her taking Anvil Guard. Marathi Kane herself... Just kind of walked into the capital and stood there and went, "You're going to give me that chair, right?" Mayor went, "You and what army?" And she pointed out the window to the Shadow Queen, destroying a quarter of the city by herself. Yeah. She is supposed to be a murder machine, and I would also like to point out, my Mortec guard, when buffed, will stand there and take her on the chin. Sure. They will tie her up for a turn and a half, if not more. Just by nature of how they work. Now, there's going to be some changes to that and how that affects it in the new edition. And I'll need to figure that out. But the fact still remains. The easiest way to deal with Marathi is to poke her for three and then throw a chaff at her. Throw her stuff to play with. If you have it, which admittedly some armies don't, like Beast Claw Raiders. Yeah. All Fire can, Slayers can kind of I mean, storm like, cast. all I can do is just bog her down with uh, Hearthguard yeah. and pray that my four up can actually like <laughs> go off, go off and block everything that she does. Um, but it's she is not invincible. She is well, actually. I was gonna say now with uh, with certain information that we've been uh, shared by the Almighty Internet and Man That Reads, um, <laughs> there is. Uh, a certain new unit that has wings um, within the new Dominion box that um, yeah, weakens every monster with uh, by adding 10 to their wounds suffered. So all of a sudden you have um, all, all, all big old Marathi just hitting you with a wet noodle now. So yeah. there's there is definitely definitely some ways to counterplay. Um, I just wish there was a counterplay to most uh, armies for other armies besides Stormcast. Yes, yeah. but 
like she, funny enough, when we were talking about putting her in this episode, I was thinking like, okay, we're gonna wind up ranting about her for a hot minute. And I think she has been the most elegant solution we have had to the points or scroll dilemma. Yeah. Is literally put her at the seven sixty mark, maybe seven sixty five. And there's going to be a lot of daughters of Kane players out there, one in particular that we are all good friends with, that is going to be going, no, 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 like 660. Leave her at 660. No. Honestly, honestly, humorously, I already talked with him. I told him some of my thoughts a couple weeks back, and I was like, throw her at 800 and give her these buffs. And he was like, I'll take that. Yeah, well, with the buffs we were talking about. At 800 with those extra wounds. And a little bit more damage per turn. Like, again, coming out the same, but it also helps if you don't max damage on each of the turns that you do it. Um, it makes it so that still a very big problem. But he was okay with increase in points and preferably as, trade that off with some As long extra. as he got something out of it. Yes. Which, in that case, it is. But I'm but, just saying, as is, if nothing about her War Scroll changes... Going up to 760 and she's still fine. Heck, 755. Put her over 750 points. There's a reason for that, huh? Yeah, there's a distinct reason. And it's a wonderful little clause in the new core rules. Or once you get, I think, is it the match play section? Because that's been leaked as well. I think it was just straight up. Or was it straight up core rules? I don't remember. It's it's within the match play. It's for the general's general's, uh, contest. And it's... Essentially, any army that is being any army, um, any battle that is run with fifteen hundred points or less uh, can cannot fit these uh, gods. Essentially, and the reason being is no single unit in the army can, can cost half. more than half the total point allowance mm-hmm. of the game. So at 2K, yeah, take the gods. That's the point level where these huge... It's supposed to be the big battles. Bring them. That's when they're going to show up. 1,500, which, from what I've seen and heard from people who have gotten the Dominion box early, who have gotten to play the games, feels like a bit of a butter zone, actually, for like more slightly more casual play with the table size, with the rules changes. Yep. You don't see the gods, but because of the points difference with the gods, you're still technically getting more of your normal army. Yeah. Which is a weird oxymoronic thing to have happen, but it is what it is. Well, yeah, you can you can fit Gotrek though in a fifteen hundred game. You can. It's yes, true. you can, Mister Five Hundred and Twenty Points of Humorously, Gotrek. As long as you're doing okay on your feel no pains, your your wards, wards, your wards, wards, name. wards, wards, wards saves. Wards. As long as you're doing okay on your on your ward saves, he and Marathi can go toe to toe. And uh, they'll both probably kill each other eventually by the end, but they'll be yeah that'll that'll be some fun battles that you can have between those two. Uh, Yeah, yeah. you just throw him at her, and then she realizes I'm being beat up by a (laughs) tiny, like three foot dwarf, and then she's gonna leave. I mean, beat up by a dwarf who was as wide as he is tall. Yeah, yeah, a dwarven cube, Um, and then and then you just. Have her run off, and then his four little inches are just gonna wait. Come back, <laughs> baby. Come back. Yeah, you can. I can axe on you. Yeah, God. <laughs> you will die. That took a lot longer to get to those sort of jokes than I thought it was going to tonight. Sorry. I mean, you know, it's a snake. Oh, I'm a snake. 
So, uh, let's let's get to kind of the heart of what tonight's talk is going to be. And um, and Marathi was kind of a hint at it. And we'll we want to talk about the gods, and so. we'll be right back with this talk. And so here we are <laughs> once again. I want uh, to cut into me just. <laughs> ah! Glorious. Uh, so let's talk about the gods. Yes. So this is one of my favorite aspects of Age of Sigmar versus 40K and some other games. All these other games talk about these huge, powerful gods. They have, like, avatars of the gods yeah. that exist. Like, again, the literal avatar of Cain for the Eldar in 40K. Mm-hmm. On Va, I guess, technically counts for the greater good. He's Ish. not real. He's not a god. He never no. was. Um, he's just like the he's leader that they've had for way too long because he's been dead since an assassin got him. Details. Details. But we're not here to talk 40k. We're here to talk Hell AOS. No. AOS. These gods that are talked about in the lore, a lot of them are on the tabletop, or at least manifestations, well, or manifestations that represent them. Yeah. A lot. Oh, oh! I'm sorry. Are you, are you still salty that you don't have a dwarven god? You mean you mean the the discount uh, Grimnir that I got, just because he he found an axe and stole a rune, and now he's like avatar of Grimnir? Nah, it's bullshit. I was just praising him, Sir? Uh, like not ten minutes ago in the episode. But keep go ahead and talk. No, it's great. Talk not. about. But what's on the horizon, Martin? Well, you've been, ta- you've been hinting at these rumors that you've been seeing. Well, uh, <laughs> so as with all core rule books, they kind of uh, give you a little bit of fluff. I mean, battle tomes given, they'll give you like lore and stuff like that. And even with our book, it kind of has the same thing. Um, but in the core book, the new one, 3.0, um, it does a cool little two-page, three-page uh or like blurb lore kind of catch you up get where where we're at where we're going and apparently uh grimnir's strength is growing and time to collect urgold is now so basically like we're going to be like let me let me let me let me let me find it real quick give me while, a while you're digging that up on the subject of with like grimnir coming back there is that line in that bit in Bellacor, the, the Broken Realms book Bellacor, where titular character Bellacor was ripping apart a character on Overlord's Skyfleet and suddenly stopped when he saw a specific dwarf that was bigger than the rest and everything around that specific dwarf implies that he was a manifestation of Grimnir checking in on his boys. That's cool. That's very cool. At one point, after the battle, they've got, again, their narrative blurb where it goes to the perspective of the individual characters from that battle, not the overview of this is what happened in the battle. And that dwarf is having a conversation with another Arcanaut. And he's there's typical stuff like, that was close. That got really, that could have gone bad. And the Arcanaut starts t- piping up like, yeah, I can't wait to see how much we could profit off this. And that other dwarf looks at him and goes, you just completely missed the point. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, I grossly oversimplified it. That was the TLDR version of it. Grugney. Grugney. That's it. I, I thought it was Grugney. Uh, or... He said Grugney. 
yeah. yeah. Well, you were saying Grimnir. You as well, you so. said Grimnir you, you put, as well. You planted that in my head. We have the avatar of Grimnir. Grimnir is superior. We have the avatar of Grimnir in the uh, in Gotrek, but Grugni, I believe, Grugni, or Grungni. What? Anyway, Grungni um, is the one that. I, I Some Nordic I'll, thing. I'll, I don't know about the dwarven gods. I rely on you for that. And then you say Grimnir, and I'm like, I, I <laughs> thought this was, we were talking about a different dwarf, but maybe I'm wrong. Brain. But, uh, so, you have that, and maybe, maybe that's coming for, for all the dwarves, is a, a new dwarven god. And so you can have, like, you know, the two different avatars, or two, or an actual god, and then just the... Gotrek, who inherited some of Grimnir's power, uh, onto the tabletop. And then uh, we've got, say, Alariel, goddess of life, who's just gotten a nice upgrade. Her model's always been fantastic. Oh, yeah. But I, I legitimately think that with her, like, the amount of healing that she can put out and the amount of things that she brings along with her to the table for a Sylvaneth army between her command ability, the fact that it's an aura that gets carried by all Kurnoth hunters on the field, and the fact that she can just straight up do a ton of stuff to, to really make that army synergize well. They have, GW has made her the goddess of life with all of her healing, the way she heals her friends, the way she makes people just appear out of the trees, even to the way where her talon can potentially just suck the life out of you. She is a goddess of life, a hippie goddess of life. If what you a read goddess. more, she is truly feeling like a goddess. We talked about her a little bit last week, like what her rules are, so we're not going to spend too much time on that. Yeah. But they've made her feel like the goddess of life. And then there's the inverse who is sitting in a bit of a weird spot. Hopefully with the release of 3.0, I hope, because he's my boy, as much of a petulant child as he is, Nagash. Isn't he the god like of death. dead? No. <laughs> he, he's he's beaten to a bony pulp, um, but he's you. not dead. He His books got burned, but the issue is he still has the entire... Join the dead god club. <laughs> He still has the entire realm of death in lore, providing him with power. Those millennia of conquering all of the other random afterlifes that exist in the mortal realms and making them be under him. Even though the books that he wrote on, here's how to do necromancy, right? Mm -hmm. Here's how to be good at dead. <laughs> okay. He, yeah. First it, edition. They're gone. First edition. But... They're gone, but it doesn't matter. He's the one that wrote them. Yes. Their power still exists in him. And, like, sure. He's always felt like he's been squishy, but he's always felt like a god of death between the fact he can just sort of touch you and you die. Literally with the hand of Nagash. Yeah. And now he could do that, and then he could store up a freaking, like, spirit bomb with arcane bolts and go, okay, charge me. Yeah, because Arcane Bolts also, uh, with the new edition, it does more damage if you're close up. And that's kind of cool. And you can hold on to them. They don't go off immediately. It is a... Yeah, that's going to suck. 
like start of this phase. Oh, you're you decided to charge into me. Cool. Here's five D three mortal wounds because I cast the three spells I actually needed to. Yeah. And he is resing three dudes, or healing three wounds, on five different summonable undead units or or Ossiarch Bone Reaper units just because. Yeah. He has had the longest run of. They designed him right to where he's felt like the god of death since the start. I'll 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 agree there. Um, or the god of what he's supposed to be. Just because right. I do not like him and his characterization. Oh, he's does a... not make him bad. Uh, well, it... the war scroll reflects what he's supposed to be doing on the field. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I was getting at. Is more so, you know, I don't like him, but that's also what you have when you have a good villain. Oh, yeah. He is a Machiavellian... He is an archetypal Machiavellian villain in so many regards. So many regards. And in that way, I love the character. Him as a person, he is a petulant child. And there is nothing you could say to change my mind. I play Death. I have Bone Reapers. I am working on Soul Black Grave Lords. I am planning to get Flesh Eater Quartz. Yeah. And I still have that opinion on him. But hey, you know, he was just taught a lesson recently by oh. Teclas, the god of magic. And he was one that, I'll admit, on first read, I looked at that war scroll and went, eh. Then I saw what he can do on the tabletop and went, oh. He's powerful as shit on the table. He controls the magic phase, bar none. Literally, Nagash might match him. Because Nagash has uncast six, seven, he casts eight spells a turn mm -hmm. at a plus three to cast, dispel, and unbind. Sure. That is the, he is. And Teclas can try and unbind all of them. Agreed. Teclas but can also, do a good job at unbinding most of them. Right. Well, Teclas gets one for free, just no, sit down. Yeah. Everything else he has to roll for, un well, getting a plus one. Yeah. Nagash gets a plus three, which means he rolls a little above average. Right. And he is shutting down Teclas, because Teclas rolls a flat number. Yeah. He's one of those that is going to force Teclas to go, do I really want to do four spells? Right. But, yeah. Well, also with the changes, uh, with the changes now to uh, spellcasting, if you are that lucky git that rolls a snake eyes, you're done. Miscasts are back. As somebody who played Old Fantasy and played Skaven at that, who had the luck of a Skaven player where every game, it would go great, 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 double six miscast, because it used to be miscast on double one or double six. Right, yes. Double six was typically better for you, but you could still turn into a sun in the middle of your unit and take 20 dudes with you. Yeah. Luckily now, they've limited the miscast to just the wizard. It's much more tame. But the fact it exists it makes so me happy. It's so cool that it is back. I agree. It makes me so happy. And speaking of Skaven, uh, and just chaos in general, maybe we should go over some of them a little bit. Talk about your uh, great horn rat there, yes, yes. Tristan. Yes, yes. Sorry, <laughs> I turned into a rat for a second. They were the army that got me into Age of Sigmar, got me into Old Fantasy, so I ha they, are, they have a special place in my heart. A very ratty place. But... Don't you judge me. 
Okay, so on the table. All the judgments. So, so, so of course <laughs> we have the Great Horn Rat who just sits inside of the the warp or the Nahal or whatever. It, he he is kind of not out his own realm in the realm of chaos, where the other chaos gods can't really get to him. And he it just like the Skaven have done in the actual mortal realms, he has done in the realm of chaos. He sits in the shadows with the Council of, I think, 13? It, there's Well, there's two Council of 13s. I'm going into a little bit of lore here. There is the mortal Council of 13, whereas the 12 greatest leaders of the mortal Skaven with the 13th seat reserved for the Great Horned Rat if he ever decides to show up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then above them, orchestrating everything that they do without them realizing it, is a Council of 13 of the Vermin Lords, the greater demon of the Great Horned Rat. And that is what you can find on the tabletop sometimes for Skaven. With Vermin Lords. They are the closest thing that exists to... They are the closest thing that Skaven have to gods. And generally speaking, greater demons are the closest chaos gets to gods. Archeon's an exception. He is the exception. But He's the chosen one. He is the chosen of the chaos gods and therefore is super buff. He's ever chosen, but he's not a god, so he won't even be in this discussion, no, I don't think. That's much. that's just the shtick, that's the spiel so that he was mentioned. Yeah. The there are six vermin lords, I believe, and each one is a different aspect of the Great Horned Rat. You have and all of them, when you read their lore and look at how they play, to varying degrees, are the megalomani- megalomaniacal cowards that all Skaven are to the nth degree. I use the Warbringer a lot. He talks big, he boasts, he does all of this stuff to buff the um, like the fighty Skaven around him. He can do some serious damage, but he is not a high damage model, even though he is supposed to be the violent, warlike of his kind. And that's what happens when you don't pay attention to the battery, and the battery runs out. Fun times. All right, so I was just kind of try- wrapping up my thoughts on the Vermin Lords. They're a little underpowered right now for where the game went, but that Skaven Tide book came out very early in 2.0. Also, I mean, they're still pretty low in point costs, especially yeah. when compared to other... Uh, godly representations oh, other than say the other greater demons but they're they're useful they're cool they're lovely models like oh, incredible yeah. models but hopefully whenever the next book comes out or whatever they do to update stuff they can make them feel more like a great manifestation of the great horn rat's power onto mm-hmm. the field later on they yeah, just need more um Either, I think it's just they're very pillow fisted in what yeah. they do. The flavor is absolutely there, yeah. and that is one of the things I absolutely love about the Skaven Tide book. Is it strong? Yeah. Is it the mo- most powerful? Absolutely not. But it oozes flavor. Either that or cheese. Potentially, <laughs> yeah. That that too. Uh, literally, I was I was just gonna mention. You know, if you just drop their points and you have multiple vermin lords being brought in the list, might be the mold. That could be cool, too, just because it, hey, they do, the Skaven are all about hoarding. So it could be, you know, hoarded up, bring Mm -hmm. more than one of those. Maybe. There's lots of stuff, and I could go on about the Skaven for a hot minute, 
but I'm not going to do that. We've had enough diatrides already. <laughs> yeah. So, now on to other greater demons. Uh, I've got a hey. couple personal favorites. All right. Let's go start with you. I got my rants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, first off, just the great unclean one. Uh, holy cow, that model is incredible. Uh, based off of an old school artwork that's been around for a long time. And uh, you're talking about the Forge World one, right? The Forge World one was based off of that, but also just like the. <laughs> you mean the piece of art that's as old as I am? Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, but they brought it out in plastic. Yeah, it's old. larger. <laughs> it's it's larger oh. than the uh, Forge World one, and but it just looks incredible and super useful as a buffing unit for the army on the battlefield. Oh yeah, it's little not it doesn't always punch above its weight or anything of that sort but that's a lot a, of weight to punch above it's it's a big blubbery glorious thing that will just bring nurgle's joy all around the battlefield you will have to pump a lot into them to kill them which is the whole point and all of their abilities revolve around them air quotes giving their gifts mm-hmm. and trying to be friendly and nice to the enemy and it turns out that they just gave them Black Plague on the dialed up to about 5,000. Nurgle's rot. It's yeah. the best disease they, ever. They think they're doing all this great stuff like, here, here, have Herpaceph, or what is it, uh, Herpacephagonaids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. no. I know. <laughs> reclamidiades. That. Gosh, I haven't said that in a while. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, he made Blue Waffle, probably. Oh, <laughs> wow. Moving on. Ugh. So uh, Bring that image then back. You've got, uh, Google that, kids. You'll thank no, me no, later. No, please, no. no. Please don't. Please don't. 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 I, I, uh, I don't need... <laughs> speaking of... Moving on. Uh, ...of things that are interrelated but probably shouldn't be, Slanesh as the Keeper of Secrets. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Don't keep your secrets, Joe. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And, okay, of course, the... this is the god of Slane- uh, uh, the god of excess and uh, has just brought everything to the table with this model. Oh, yeah. It's... They... The model, first off, is absolutely gorgeous. They find... The old model, for the time it came out, was good. Uh, okay, For sure. when it came out. Sure. Okay. The issue is yeah. it was put next to those old demonet models that are still the best demonets they have ever made. Yeah. Honestly, if they just 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 pumped up the small tiny demonets and made them bigger, that would been I've been satisfied with that. Yeah. So But I mean like the the new one, I I mean it's it's got everything that you want for Slanesh there. Yeah. Um, you have the jewels, you have the fineries, you have the claws, you have the gold the, face. You have the garters that likely weren't made from leather. Um, and well it was leather, it, it just will, wasn't no 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 no. It leather. turns into leather eventually. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but and then gameplay wise Slanesh is always the fast... Sorry, I'm just trying to keep this yeah, from getting yeah. bogged down. Keep going. Slanesh has always been the faction focused around the idea of speed, around precision. And it has that in spades. The it is the fastest of the greater demons, faster than the ones with wings. And it runs. It rolls a six to hit. It has the thing where its attacks become mortal wounds. 
it has all this stuff to represent that it is super precise and super aggressive. It also has the locus of Slanesh and also tries to make deals with you. They have personified that aspect of Slanesh perfectly there. It's like, cool. I'm like, it's this big, giant, 50 foot tall goat demon. It's so pretty. I don't know why it's pretty, but it's so pretty. I don't want to attack it. It literally does that to enemy units on a, was it a four up for it? I think it's a four up, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's just a great execution of a god, their power in, in one of their best servants onto the battlefield. And again, these aren't priced in points at the same level that, say, somebody like the Nagashes, the, the Teclases, the Teclases the are, because they aren't actually gods. They're just manifestations of that god's power in its greatest lieutenants. Yes. Um, and then you bring out the Bloodthirster. Do well, I really need to say any more? I mean, Scarbrand. It's... Scarbrand is great. He's the he's the closest thing that has gone to be like up to Korn's level until he decided yeah. to be stupid and said, "Hey Korn, you're not as good as you think you are." And then just I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight you. And then Korn just flick. No, <laughs> smack my bitch up. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, but you know. Um, it definitely, like, all the Bloodthirsters definitely feel like they are in that same kind of concept of what Korn is all about, which is, like, like just raw sense, violence. Senseless violence. Um, insensate rage, as the name of one of them. Incessant rage? In it's insensate. It's not incessant. Incessant? It's not incessant. It's insensate. Okay. It's, it's weird. It's a I've weird never word. seen that word before or after that doesn't deal with that bloodthirster, but it is insensate. Yes. Insensate. <laughs> okay. Just the fact that at one point... The more you know. It, it, pretty much. It's just the bloodthirsters are all about violence, but also they're duelists. The highest rankings of the bloodthirsters, the Wrath of Corn bloodthirsters, which have rules... They're duelists. Corn, at the end of the, f despite all the bloodshed, despite all of that, he is a god of martial combat, a duelist, a fighter, and that's what his greatest lieutenants are. At the end of the day, it's yeah. a subtle thing, and I love it. There's some amount of honor in those bloodthirsters as well. It's true. It's twisted honor, but it's still honor. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Fight me. Pretty much. <laughs> Punch me in the face. Harder! <laughs> That's Slaanesh now. And then uh, we have the Lords of Change for Zinch. I, I, despite what we've said about the other greater demons... Complete opposites to... Everything else. To, to specifically the Bloodthirsters. Oh, yeah. but They still punch hard, but that's just because they're 30, 40 foot tall demons. Yeah. It's just they're bigger, so their swings are going to hurt more. However... I think that they are the best done of the Chaos God's servants in representing what their god is supposed to be. A god of manipulation, a god of scheming, and a god of change. Because mm. the way they interact with their fate dice. Fate dice is just is, a, a very it's elegant a, and nice mechanic for yeah, them. It's, it's, it's an army thing, more so an, than the actual Lords of Change. I'll say Kairos... Because Kairos is a name character within the lore of Zinch and its background. Uh, Kairos Fate Weaver is 
I would say the best represented model for what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to know beyond knowing mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they, they stare at the pool for too long. And I love uh, his lore <laughs> is great. I'm going to go on a quick tangent about his lore. Zinch found a cavern that even he would not go down in because he didn't know what was going to happen. His closest, his best, greatest lieutenant, his greatest of the lords of change, Kairos, who had one head at this point, was standing next to him looking down going, I wonder what's down there. Zinch went, me too, push. Hmm. And just threw Kairos into the pit. And when he crawled out, he had two heads, both of which are blind to the present. He is blind. One head sees the future, the other sees the past. He now has 81 lords of change at all time scribbling down every syllable he babbles from either head nine by nine lords of change scribbling down everything to find prophecy in it first off that's a very nice little tidbit second off is are you saying that he's the quisat's hadarach i mean anyway uh... sorry as somebody who's in the middle of reading the dune saga which if you like sci-fi read it if you like 40K, read it, read and you're it. going to have a whole lot of moments of, oh, this is why 40K was called a Dune ripoff. Yep. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty much wrapped up most of the Chaos Gods and their representatives on the battlefield. And uh, let me see. Are there any other representatives on the battlefield that we haven't really covered yet? I mean, yet? there's a guy. Hold on. Sorry. <laughs> oh, bless you. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. There's a guy who is not a god, but... <coughs> oh, there's the allergies. Bless you again. There's a guy who uh, took advantage of everyone else deciding he's a god and ran with it. That's mm-hmm. true. Kragnos is on the table and can yes. be used now. I like him. I, I do. I, I just... I... Like, do you like like him? Or do you like him as a model? Do you like His him? model is cool. His... His war scroll is okay. That that'll be maybe a points or scroll later. Um, but honestly, the thing that I I don't know his his thing is he's kind of taking over for Gorka Morka on the battlefield, and I I just love all the different representations of Gorka Morka that we have had throughout all of the the. Battle tomes and the lore behind it. Having read some of his lore specifically in the Kragnos book, not the overarching story, he has always been an opportunist. He Correct. has always been a go-getter. It's one of those things where it's like if somebody decides to say, or if an orc looks at him, sees the destruction he causes, and go, and says, "That's an incarnation of Gorkamorka," he is not going to say no if it serves his means. Right, yeah. but he's not. The the thing is, he is not. Gorka they Morka. aren't. They aren't calling him a representation of Gorkamorka. They're saying that he's got you know some some blessing from Gorkamorka or whatever, and he, he he is using the shield that Gorkamorka chipped his tooth on at one point in time, and he picked up. Um, yeah, and just, and just because, just like it was something that Gorkamorka like, grabbed, tried to do the bite into it accidentally chipped his tooth and in frustration threw it down and then Kragnos finds it later. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Tusbreaker is cool. Very cool aspect of the model. But also, he didn't, you know, wound uh, Gorkamorka in combat and then earn his respect and, and everything else like that, like they were originally saying. I don't know. I'm just a little disappointed with having 
him brought to the battlefield rather than Gorkamorka. Because, again, like, Gorkamorka, there's all these different aspects to... Uh, the issue with Gorkamorka is it's almost too many aspects. And I, I well, get that. It's honestly two aspects, which is brutal but cunning, or cunning but brutal. Which The Gloom Spike Gets book has four different interpretations which of Which is a little weird. Yeah, yeah. So, so for the Gloom Spike Gets, you have the, the Spider God, you have... The um the bad moon. The, the, bad, the bad moon, moon. And as like it's it's all under the moon for that. But I mean like I still think that you could There are so many different ways that Gorkamorka is worshipped. It'd be hard to put he him himself in either either Gork or Mork or Gorkamorka combined. And also he is physically too big of a god in the lore. Me. He is physically too big. I and I, I agree with that. Um I, I do. Like it's it's just it's disappointing that instead of that we get this guy who's a god beast for destruction, and yeah, he'll see some of my narrative play games, but I don't think that I'll be putting him into my armies That's anytime fair. soon. So how does it feel, Joe, to have something that doesn't really represent the god that you have for your army? I, you know, understand your pain with Gotrek. I do. It, I, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. but uh, just don't like don't read. Um, I mean, do read it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, like Realm Slayer, yeah, it it's, it gives it opens up a whole new can of worms. It's like, oh, okay, cool. This is how he got to be what he is on the worst roll. So, but I am going to say this on Kragnos. He is in so many ways a perfect representation of what destruction as a grand alliance does on the battlefield. Oh yeah, is he resilient? Not really. Well, he has a two up save. He ignores spells on pretty much a yes, unless it's a stupid high casting roll. However, he has no shrug. He only has 18 wounds. But anything he punches, anything he charges, if he gets to do that... Dies. Dies. His mortal wounds, his impact hits, is not roll 2d6, do that many mortal wounds, add them together. No, you multiply them together. That is a potential of 36 mortal wounds. Yes, sir? To monsters. The one thing but that stay. he is forgetting is that currently in 3.0, priests can actually pray a certain prayer called Bless that allows a six-up ward onto that, any unit. That is true. That is true. And there are... Destruction and Chaos are the two Grand Alliances that have more priests than anything else. When you stop him... Well... Okay, correction. Now that I think about it, order has a lot, but there's still a lot that exists in destruction. So it's very possible for that to happen. All the orcs. Oh yeah. All the war docs. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah, no, and I, I hear you. It's it's not that. It's again, there were so many cool things about it, and instead we got Kragnos. And I like Kragnos. Again, I bought him. I look forward to running him in games. But it was a bit disappointing. And, and honestly, I think a way to make it better for me would have been to where, since he's so costly and everything about him that happens is the way it is, I think it would have been great if they could have given him uh, the ability to take on some of your army's allegiance abilities when you run him in your army. To, to bring in some of the, the way that he's leading your army. And now, again, that would probably require even higher points hike, uh, but it would have been nice to make it so that 
he becomes your leader. He's he's already going to be your general in addition to and everything else like that. It would have just been an elegant way to make him fit your army instead of being mm-hmm. this kind of sore thumb. That's fair. So just to note, side note on the on the priest thing that I, I, I was just like wondering. There's only two priests in destruction. Really? Huskered on Thunder Tusk. Yep. And a war dock. From Savage Orcs. Really? I thought there were that's, more. That's it. Oh, That okay. is it, my sir. Because majority of priesthood is exactly as you said, within order. Or chaos. There are, um, there are some chaos. for corn. That's about it. One. Yeah. Oh, okay. I stand corrected, ladies and gentlemen. One in corn. The Slaves of Darkness have the Chaos War Shrine. Yeah. And then the, pla- the two plague priests from Skaventide. Yeah, that's right. And then that's it. That's all the priests. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Never mind. Still order. And Nagash used to be a priest until Teklas beat it out of him. What? Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Oh, hey, and I can't believe we've forgotten this until just now, but uh, there is one more kind of god that that can hit the battlefield. Uh, the one for Stormcast. The, the Celestine Prime. Prime. Yeah. He he's in a weird spot because the again first forged. The first forge He's of an, Sigmar. And since we're the sages of Sigmar, I figured we should at least bring that up. Yeah. He's in a weird spot where he fits the role of an avatar of a god more. He's not bad. Again, it is an issue of first book syndrome or early book syndrome where they didn't really know what they were going to... GW, they being GW didn't really know where they were going to take Age of Sigmar at that point. And he was built for what existed not for a plan for the future which basically starting after Skaventide they figured out what they were going to try to do with the game and everything started falling back kind of into a fold of generally speaking here it is but I could rant about that for a lot longer we are unfortunately out of time for tonight any closing remarks um well basically uh, we look forward to coming back to you with even more uh, talk about Age of Sigmar. And I think sometime pretty soon we're going to be talking a bit about uh, all the different versions of Age of Sigmar that we've had and what we're looking forward to for what's coming up. Absolutely. Most definitely. So again, quick thank you to Discover Games for letting us record after hours. Uh, if you want to... Listen to this podcast on the go. You don't have a, so you don't have to watch. Have it pulled up on YouTube. I botched that hard. Uh, we are on Spotify. Hopefully, very soon we'll also be on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts as well. I completely juggled those words hard. But uh, if you want to see some pictures of the hobby stuff that we were talking about earlier, go check out the our Instagram Second Floor Hobbies. And if those of you listening, the YouTube channel that this video is on is Second Floor Hobbies. It's almost like there's a theme going on there with that. Huh. Interesting. So, anyway, we have been the Sages of Sigmar. I was Joe. I was Tristan. And this is Martin. Have a great day.